So when you're in seminary, they teach you all kinds of things. You learn about biblical studies. You learn about governing the church. You learn about relationships. But they don't teach you when you get to the pulpit and the scripture for the day is different than what you prepared. <laughs> so, Julie was figured it, figured it out when she saw my scripture on my sermon and what she was reading. So, I ask for your acknowledgement of forgiveness this morning. Somehow, my scripture reading, which is Romans 13, 8 through 14, is different than Romans 14, 1 through 12. But I assure you, we'll make a connection between the two, and I will read for you the new scripture. Thank you. Well, here we are again this week in Romans, Paul's letter to the new Christian and the Jews that have converted. Remember, these two groups don't get along. There is some problem as to whether the new Christians are following the laws of the Torah. And there were discussions about whether to eat the meat offered as sacrifice, don't eat the meat, eat the pork, don't eat the pork. A lot of confusion behind these two groups. And of course, this is a first century problem that we don't have to worry about. Paul's message in chapter 12 was a radical love message. Love your neighbor with all your heart. Love your neighbor even when your neighbor is not lovable. That was the message. Today's message is a message of waking up. It's a message of being prepared. It is a message of doing what God intended to have done. Paul had never met the Roman congregation, but he had heard stories. They were a thriving, multi-ethnic church in the heart of an empire, mostly unchristian. Yet it wasn't a void of some challenges. One must imagine the possibilities of a dangerous division between Jewish believers and Gentile converts. The Jewish believers would claim that the combination of their ancestry and following the dietary laws, there we go back to food again, like avoiding pork was the ticket into God's covenant family. The Gentile believer would respond negatively towards Jewish customs and regard them as outdated. I think I used the word antiquated last time. Paul spends chapter 11, he writes over 2,000 words laying out the real ticket to God's family. The ticket in is simple. It's Jesus. He alone, through faith, is the only channel of the gospel. He alone has won the war of salvation, and he alone has opened heaven's doors. These two competing fact factions needed to be unified in Christ. Only then could they do what the Lord has called every one of his followers to do, and that is to love God and to love your neighbor 
with everything you have. This includes people who we disagree with. This includes people who persecute us. This includes the neighbor, the work coworker. It includes the person that just rubs us the wrong way. There is much that we can unpack on today's scripture. However, today, I want to focus on Paul's words that tell us to wake from sleep. And here's the scripture. Besides this, you know what time it is. How it is now the moment for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we became believers. The night is far gone, the day is near. Let us then lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us live honorably as in the day, not in reveling in the drunkenness, not in the quarreling of jealousy. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh to gratify its desire. Do you know what time it is, Paul wrote, to a tiny Christian community in Rome? I suspect the Romans were as time-conscious as we are, and they probably didn't any more know what time it is than we do. To be sure that they lived in the tick-tock time that we do, we have a lot at stake in time. Households must juggle multiple work schedules, school schedules, and extracurricular time. Few refrigerator calendars actually have enough room for every busy family. Finding time to coordinate multiple calendars can be a real challenge in my house, perhaps in yours as well. Do you have your iPhone or your Android and you send each other calendar invites? To keep up with what's going on? Do you have a Palm Pilot? Do you remember Palm Pilots? I don't even think they work anymore. Do you have a paper calendar you carry in your purse? How do you keep up with the busyness and the fact that there are others that are affected by your calendar? It's a good question, and it may be a good question for us to ask of Paul. What made him assume that the Roman Christians knew what time it was? Paul wasn't talking about tick-tock time. He was talking about the time to wake up because Paul believed something was coming very soon and that something was the resurrection and not only, but the appearance of Jesus Christ again in this life. He wrote, you know what time it is, how it is now the moment for you to wake from sleep. His silence did not end in a question mark. It was a declarative sentence. What made him so sure that what he would know was that what he was talking about. How did he know what he was talking about? As I see it, Paul was appealing to something within the hearts of his readers he was appealing to that within them and each of us that connects a built-in knowing 
that part that your intuition says, he's not talking about TikTok time. He's talking about the time when Jesus comes back. With this, without this knowledge, how would we communicate? I thought Paul drew upon the type of knowing that occurs when we hear one of Jesus' parables. It was, it, it, it was through these parables that Jesus would ask, who of you doesn't know this already? The obvious answer was, everyone with eyes to see and ears to hear it now. It's a kind of common sense. Paul assumed that they knew what he was talking about. In like matter, I think Paul was saying, you know what time it is? Your salvation has begun because of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. A new age has dawned. Don't waste a moment. Reach out and take hold of this new life available here and now. One of the many things that strikes me about Paul's claim is that he made his point by using the expression, wake from sleep. Paul used the phrase, awake from sleep, to explain his understanding of life after death. Awakening from death sleep was and is entirely in God's hand. God alone calls, controls the wake-up call. New life after death is solely an act of God. In like manner, when Paul called upon the church in Rome to wake from sleep and to put on Christ, I believe he was telling them the cosmic alarm clock was going off. The appointed time had arrived. They were to awaken from a living death to the realization that from the moment on the story of Jesus would be the defining story of this world and their lives. I believe Paul urged them to realize that life in Christ was so utterly different from life without Christ, and that it was like waking from a sleep of death. Paul wanted them to wake from something, but he also wanted them to wake up to a new reality. To what was calling them? He wanted them to wake from sleep, but to what? To a new reality, to a new truth, to the truth in Jesus and what Jesus had given us. I happen to believe waking up each day is a real gift. How often have we heard someone half-jokingly say, at my age, I'm just glad to wake up. Opening our eyes, stretching our limbs, rolling out of bed is all part of emerging from sleep. But we awaken into something. The sun is shining or it's overcast or it's raining. A heavy frost nipped the last surviving plants on the front porch. Or the temperature did not get that cold and the plants are fine for another day. A hurricane has made landfill, landfall or has veered out to sea. We open our eyes to find ourselves in a context that would be similar to what Paul wrote to the Romans. In short, a world challenged and changed by Christ. A world fundamentally, foundationally, and organically changed because of Jesus' resurrection. 
He wanted them to see that the resurrection was not simply an odd or absurd event within the old world, but the symbol that started pointing of something completely new. Paul argued his readers, sorry, Paul urged his readers to awaken to the reality that Jesus did not simply usher in a new religion, a new ethic, or a new way of salvation, but a new creation. In such a world, their only real obligation, or as Paul put it, the only real debt that we owe, was to love one another. In short, to be caught up in the new thing God was doing, in God's new creation. One of Paul's most extraordinary things was that because of Jesus Christ, there is no longer Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female. I take this to mean that because of Jesus Christ, all the thing that matters so much before no longer matters now. The distinction we think are essential. The difference we believe makes all the difference. They don't. The things that were important before are not important after Jesus. Paul said that what matters is not those things that make one person superior to another. Not those things that divide us, but those things that unite us. Or more specifically, what matters is the one who unites us, being made one in Jesus Christ. So, said Paul, quit focusing upon the wrong things. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. It was his way of saying the new context we awaken requires new clothing. Don't waste a minute. Awake from a wasted life before Christ into a new dawn brought about by Christ's life, death, and resurrection. Peel off the night clothes of selfishness and ignorance and put on the new clothes of Christ. Paul told the Roman Christians to wake from sleep. Because they knew the time. It was his way of appealing to what they knew in their hearts. Because of Jesus, that salvation had begun. He urged them to lay aside thoughts and behaviors that did not proclaim the love of Christ. And to put on the armor of light. In other words, to imitate, to be like to work towards being like Jesus Christ. T.S. Eliot, in his poem, The Dry Savages, calls Jesus a gift half understood. A gift half understood. Might it be that because we only half understand God's gift of Jesus? May it be that we only half understand what time it is? Paul says from across the great time divide, Brothers and sisters who call Lawrenceville First Christian Church your home, 
Wake from sleep and put on Christ. Wake from sleep to a world alive with grandeur of the living Christ at every turn. Don't settle for half-understood God's greatest gift. Understand God's greatest gift. Live your lives by consumed with one thing, consumed with the love of Jesus, with God's love for you and your love for God directed at one another. Know the joy of true communion that comes from living the freedom of that love. Love and trust one another because that is what it means to put on Jesus Christ. That is what it means to be touched by the better angels of your new nature. May we let God wake us up all the ways we have been asleep. So we may greet the dawning of a whole new way of living God is showing us. All is in God's glory. Amen.